it's good to be with you today, and uh, we're, we've been in the series, uh, The Good Life, and how many of you enjoyed Pastor Scott Williams last week, yeah? Great, great. Now, now, that was a great message, but here's the challenge. This week, did you speak life, or did you speak death? Did you speak life? You're all like quiet right now. <laughs> it's interesting when you hear a message on speaking life and death, how you notice how often you speak death, Right? And, and so, uh, so I'm going to speak life over the cardinals today in Jesus' name. I see that hand. I see that hand. There's hope. Amen. There's <laughs> no, it's so good to be with you. We're going to continue today. And if you got your journal, uh, make sure that uh, you get that out. And uh, if you didn't get one of these, I encourage you. They're like half the price now. I think we've got a few left. And so make sure you pick up uh, one of these journals. And uh, uh, we're going to be jumping in. We've been in this series, The Good Life, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 that we're to put off the flesh, the things of the flesh. And that as a Christ follower, that there are fruit... Uh, that are to grow in our life. We call it the fruit of the Spirit. And so in Galatians chapter 5, what are these fruits? Uh, verse 22 to 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. And we say it in the beginning, why are the fruit of the Spirit so important? Two reasons, the fruit of the Spirit defines our character. As Paul writes this, he says, this is the characteristics, the character traits that you and I are to grow in. We're to grow in love. We're to grow in joy. We're to grow in peace. We're to grow in patience. And today we're going to talk about kindness. We're to grow in kindness. The fruit of the Spirit defines our character. The fruit of the Spirit also describes our conduct, how we are to treat others. In the first few weeks, we spoke about love. Joy, peace. These are things that we receive. These three, we receive these. And, and then we flipped and we spoke about patience. These are things that we're going to live out. We receive the love of God. We receive the, the peace and the joy of God. But now we've got to learn to be patient, to rest in the, the patience of God. We've got we to learn to rest in the peace of God, the love and the joy, and today the kindness of God. The title of today's message is Kindness Due to Others. Isn't this so important? Scripture says, do unto others as you would what? Have others do back unto you. Now let me tell you something. If you're not a kind person, guess what? Probably people are not kind to you. Probably people avoid you. Oh, here comes trouble. Here comes grumpy. What you sow is what you reap. It's a biblical principle. Do to others, as you do to others, as you're kind to others, you will reap kindness. I was thinking about kindness today, and who, who do you think of when you think of kindness? Now, I know you're all going to say Jesus, right? Yep, and that's good. Yeah, Jesus was kind. He went out of his way. He, he showed and loved the kindness of God throughout uh, the community, and wherever he went, he showed the kindness of God. I, I think, when I think of kindness, I think of Mother Teresa, and uh, I just, I just... I've studied a lot on Mother Teresa, a woman that just would go out into the leper colonies, uh, a woman that would just, she, would, she just was so sacrificial in her life, lifestyle to meet the needs of, of those that were rejected by society. When I think about the word kindness, you know who I think about? Somebody that you know really well. I think about Pastor Jaime and Mindy. All the way in Honduras. That was a photo they took this week. They're so in love. I love those two. Amazing. 
I know Pastor Jaime's probably watching right now and he doesn't know I'd put that up. But when you go, if you ever have an opportunity and you gotta go once in your lifetime to Honduras on one of our missions trips in next February, we have one, you will see this man and this woman, the kindness that they show, the kindness they live out to just, not just their community, but, but as, as you come, they will love on you and show kindness. Their team shows kindness. It's just such an amazing encounter to see just the fruit of kindness in their lives. When I think about my life, I think about uh, my youth pastor that I had at age 16, Alan Preller, who, who recently went to be with the Lord. Uh, I, I remember that, uh, you know, he saw me as a 16-year-old kid, and Alan was a, was a surfer, and there were a bunch of guys in our church that loved surfing, and I didn't have a surfboard, and Alan was so kind, he gave me my first surfboard. He took me out. He would pick me up regularly and with the guys, and, and I learned how to surf, and so many memories in sitting in the ocean waiting for waves where we would talk about Jesus, talk about life, and Alan poured his time. He, he poured his love into my life, and I know one of the reasons that I'm in ministry today is because someone named Alan Preller was willing to show me kindness, willing to go, willing to buy me lunch as a, as a teenager, willing to pay the gas money to pick me up, willing to take me on surfing trips. What, what, is, what is Webster's definition of, of uh, kindness? Let's look at it. It's the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. I like that. Kindness is defined as the quality of being friendly, generous, and considerate. But I believe biblical kindness Go, takes it to another level. See, I believe biblical kindness is driven through the love of Jesus Christ. It takes it a step further. Biblical kindness is a great picture in the Good Samaritan where it will cost you something. It costs the Good Samaritan to go and, and help the man that was beaten up, that was robbed. It, there was a price that was paid. There was an extra mile. Because sometimes we'll say, you know what? I'll, my kindness will only go this far. And you know what defines our kindness, if we're really honest? We tolerate people. Well, I tolerate you, so I'm kind with you. But if I can't tolerate you anymore, guess what? Then I'll step back from you. In its essence, I, I, I reject you. Why, why is kindness so important? Let's look at three reasons the Bible will give us. Number one, kindness is a reflection of the heart of God. Think about that. Kindness is a reflection of the heart of God. Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 34 to 35, a new commandment I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Jesus right here is teaching us that one of the greatest ways we can show kindness is by loving people. And, he, and, he, and in this verse, he, he takes it a step further. He says, love people as what? As I have loved you. Wow. That's so deep. Because so often we think, well, I'm a really good person. And God loves me because I'm a good person. And so... You know what? So I love people that are nice and people that are good. No, think about it for a second. Jesus says, love others as I have loved you. And here's the reality. God loved ugly sinners like you and me. He gave his one and only son, Jesus. He chose us. Scripture says we didn't choose him. He chose us and he gave his life for us. 
In the midst of, we don't sometimes realize how ugly our sin was, that our sin condemned us, yet God loved us. And he says, listen, the same way I have loved you, you are to love others. Don't just look for pretty, nice, put together people. Look for broken people and love them. Why? Because when you love others, you're showing the kindness of God and you are a reflection. You're a reflection of the heart of God. I think it's sad today. I think the world doesn't see the heart of God because the church is not kind. I think in some ways the church is very critical. Well, if you look this way and act this way, you're welcome. The church is what? Not a country club. It's a hospital for the broken, for the hurting. Jesus said it so beautiful. He said, I didn't come for those that are all put together and perfect. Those that don't realize they, I didn't come for those that don't need a doctor. I came for those that realize they're broken and hurting and messed up and they need a physician. And Jesus said, I am the physician. Kindness is a reflection of the heart of God. It's rooted in love. Have you ever seen a car with a bumper sticker on kindness? In fact, I've got a photo of one. We'll put that up really quick. Be kind. Sometimes you might look at that and say, well, it's easy for you, you're driving a Range Rover. (laughs) You know, I'm driving my like, you know, 2001 Toyota Corolla. It's easy for you to be kind. But we're not talking about kindness based on feelings. We're not talking about kindness based on our circumstances. We're talking about kindness today that flows out of the love of Jesus Christ for you and I. The second thing about kindness in the Bible, kindness is an extension of God's forgiveness. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Listen to this. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, what? God forgave you. You see, when we show kindness, and the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, and it's changing us, and we begin to show kindness to others, you know what? It becomes a lot easier to forgive those that hurt you because you realize that you showed me kindness, and now I'm showing others kindness. God, you forgave me, and now I forgive others. Kindness is an extension of Christ's forgiveness. The third thing that kindness does is kindness heals relationships. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 24. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion... Love for others. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with, uh, with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Of all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You want to heal a relationship? You know what? Paul's writing, says, clothe yourself with compassion and clothe, clothe yourself with kindness. You know, there's so many stories in the Bible about kindness. We have the woman that, that brought the expensive perfume. We have the story of Rahab hiding the spies. There's, there's so many stories, the Good Samaritan of kindness. But I want to look today at one that I really love. It's, it's in the life of David. And we're going to look today at 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1 to 8. And David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness 
for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan was the son of King Saul. And Jonathan and David were, were best friends. They were very close. They really cared for one another. And now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. And they summoned him to appear before David. And the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. And the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king. He said, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Ziba says, there's a son of Jonathan who's alive and he's crippled. He's lame in both his feet. Where is he? King David asked. And Ziba answered, he's at the house of Makar, son of Emil in Lodabar. So King David had brought him from Lodabar, from the house of Makar, son of Emil. And when Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed to pay him honor. And David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant? He said, David, who am I that you should notice a dead dog like me? So interesting. Mephibosheth was crippled. Couldn't fight for himself, couldn't fend for himself. The enemies that Saul had gone after and attacked wanted to wipe out his lineage. David is the king and Saul chased him and Saul tried to kill him and Saul was, was just mean and, and, and after David and wanted to take his life and yet David is, he's the king now of Israel. He's the anointed one. He's the one that God has put in place and David has the authority and David has the power. And David, David Lydia's king could go and wipe out all of Saul's lineage himself and said this, no one that will ever rise up from this house and I will make sure of that. But he knew the, the commitment, the covenant he had with Jonathan, his friend, Saul's son. And he said to Jonathan, I will take care of your family. As you've taken care and you've been good to me, I will give that back to you. As you've sown into me, I will sow into you. And King Saul and Jonathan died on the battlefield. And, and David's asking one day, is there anybody left? Is there anybody that I can show kindness to? Because Jonathan showed me so much kindness. And Ziba says, yes, Jonathan's son is crippled. Mephibosheth is alive. And Mephibosheth was so nervous because he knew that maybe David was summoning him to kill him, to make a spectacle of him, to mock him, to shame him, and to kill him. And so he comes before, and David says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am restoring to you. I'm going to show you the kindness of God. I'm going to show you the kindness that Jonathan showed to me. I'm restoring all the land of King Saul to you. And you will have the honor of eating at my table, the king's table, whenever you want. So interesting. You forward a couple of chapters later in 2 Samuel chapter 21. The Gibeonites came to David. 
You see, because there was a famine for three years in the land of Israel, and, and David was praying, saying, God, why, why is there a famine in the land? What have we done wrong? Why, why are we not producing crops and harvest? What is going on? And, and the Lord reveals to, to David that Saul had offended, Saul had killed. When he wasn't supposed to kill the Gibeonites, the Lord said, don't kill them. Saul went and he, he killed, and he killed so many of them, and, they, and there was blood that was shed. There was blood that was shed by Saul. And so David goes to the Gibeonites and says, what do I have to do to repay what Saul has done? And they, they literally say, they say, David, yes, the deal. We don't want silver. We don't want gold. Blood was shed, and so blood needs to be shed. And so what we want is we want seven descendants from the house of Saul. Give us seven descendants and we will kill them and put their bodies before the Lord and the curse will be removed. The famine will be gone. And you know what's so interesting? David had an opportunity in that moment to make one of the seven Mephibosheth. But he says this, nobody will touch Mephibosheth. Why? Because Jonathan has been kind to me. God has been kind to me. Let me ask you a question today. Who's God asking you to be kind to? Who's God challenging you in your life who doesn't deserve it? Who maybe has wronged you? Maybe there's a family or a neighbor, someone in the neighborhood of, or, or, or maybe it's your, your in-law's side. I don't know, someone who's wronged you and you feel like you have the right to say, you know what, I have the right to demand this. But God is saying, no, show kindness. Second chapter Second Samuel chapter 21, David could have said, you know what, Gibeonites, take Mephibosheth. I've been kind to him, but take him as one of the seven. He said, no, don't touch him. What's so interesting is if you flip over to the next chapter, which Second Samuel chapter 22, David writes this incredible psalm. And that's beautiful. He's in verse 51 of Second Samuel chapter 22. This is what David says. And he gives, talking about God, he gives, he gives his kings great victories and he shows what? Unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. David shows Mephibosheth kindness. I'm restoring the land to you. You can eat at my table. The Gibeonites say, give us seven people, seven of Saul's lineage descendants, seven descendants to kill and put before the Lord. David says, don't touch Mephibosheth. And then he writes something so beautiful. He says, you God have shown me, you anointed king, unfailing kindness. Something so beautiful right there. David stops and he writes to the Lord, you have shown me kindness. See, and you've got to go back in this verse to understand what David is saying because what David was saying is in, in 1 Samuel we read in, in chapter 9, we read about him showing Mephibosheth kindness, eat at my table, restoring land. But if you go two more chapters further in 1 Samuel chapter 11, David at the time of war, when kings would go to battle, when, when he was meant to be on the war front, he stays home in his penthouse and he looks out across the night and he sees this beautiful woman taking a bath on the rooftop and her name is Bathsheba. And in that midst where David has been kind to Mephibosheth, David now, he has adultery towards another man's wife. And the man's name is Uriah. 
Uriah was at the battlefield, and David doesn't show kindness to Uriah. He lusts after Bathsheba. He commits adultery with her, and then he says, let me get Uriah off the battlefront. I'm gonna show kindness. Let him come and sleep with his wife. Because now Bathsheba's fallen pregnant. He's trying to cover up his shame. He's pretending to be kind. Uh, But what does Uriah do? He says, no. Who am I to spend a night with my wife when my fellow brothers are on the front lines of war and refuses to be with his wife? And David realizes, man, I'm trouble now. She's pregnant. He won't sleep with her. He won't be with his wife. Why? Because his brothers are on the war front and I'm trying to cover this mess up. So what does he do? He sends Uriah to the front, the heat of the battle. Uriah dies. And then what does David do? Oh, poor Bathsheba. Husband died. Let me take her in to be my wife now. Kindness? No. Cover up. And we fast forward into 1 Samuel, the next chapter. The prophet Nathan comes one day to David and says, Hey, David, can I talk to you? And he says, Yeah. What's up, Nate? Nathan, the prophet. He says, let me tell you the story. Let me tell you the story, man. He goes, okay, tell me the story. He goes, man, there was this guy who had this this lamb. And this lamb went everywhere with him. This lamb would eat with him, would follow with him. Everywhere he went, you know, if he went to Starbucks, the lamb went with him. Everywhere the lamb went. He loved the lamb. And then there was this rich guy. And he had so much sheep. And a traveler came, a friend came to the rich guy's house. And so the rich guy said, hey, let's have some lamb chops. Let's have a barbecue. And you know what the rich guy did, David? What did he do, Nate? Tell me, Nathan, what did he do? Instead of killing his own sheep, he went to this poor guy's house, took his own little sheep that used to go to Starbucks with him, and he killed that and he cooked that. And David was so mad. He says, who's this rich guy? I'm going to kill this rich guy. In the words of Mr. T, I pity the fool. Ah, pity the fool. Where's he at? Let me deal with him. I'm the king. And you know what Nathan says? He says, David, you're the man. You're the man. You took Uriah's wife. You tried to be kind. But God knew your motive. God knew your heart. And in the next chapter, it says, David ripped his clothes off, he went and he threw ashes and sackcloth and he repented before the Lord for seven days and for 30 days he would not speak. He repented before the Lord and then we fast forward here into this beautiful second Samuel chapter 22 and verse 51 where he says this, he says, and he gives his king great victories and God, God shows unfailing kindness to his anointed. What was David saying? I remember the time I was kind to Mephibosheth, but then I wasn't kind to Uriah. I was selfish. I was, my flesh was ruling and I, and I, and I, I deceived everyone. I, I got his wife pregnant. I committed adultery and all this sin. But he says, in the midst of that, God has been so kind to me. God forgave me. God showed mercy on me. God is unfailing in his kindness. Say, Pastor, well, what has that got to do with me? It's got to do with Romans chapter two, verse four. Or do you 
Show content for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience. Not realizing what? God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. See, David, when he repented, he experienced the unfailing kindness of God. And it impacted him so much that from that moment, his life was transformed. And see, here's the reality about Christianity. So often, you and I, we forget the kindness of God that was given to us. The kindness of a loving father who showed us kindness when we didn't deserve it. Because the scripture teaches that you and I, every single one of us, we have missed the mark of God. And we don't deserve God's kindness. We deserve his judgment, his wrath. Romans chapter 6 is the penalty of sin is death. That means eternal separation for God. But the gift of God is, for, is eternal life through Christ Jesus. You see, Paul's writing in Romans and saying, hey, listen, look at your life and realize this. It's the kindness of God that brought you to the place of repentance. Why, what does that mean? The kindness of God is what? That he gave his one and only son for you. You didn't deserve it. You could never earn it. That's why Titus, Paul writes this in Titus chapter 3, verse 3 to 7. Listen to this, at one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another, saying, listen, before you came to Jesus, you were foolish, you were deceived, you were chasing after things, you were living for yourself, you were building your own kingdom, you were doing it your own way. But in verse four, but then, but when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, appeared, Jesus, he saved us, not from the righteous things we had done, but because of what? His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that we, having been justified by his grace, might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. What is Paul saying to us? Paul is saying, come on, do you remember? Do you remember where you were before you gave your life to Jesus? Do you remember the mess that you were in, the train wreck, the selfishness? Do you remember the anger? Do you remember the addiction? and the brokenness? Do you remember the hopelessness? Do you remember the way people spoke about you and the way people treated you and the way you spoke about others and treated others? Do you remember how lost you were in life? But then guess what? It was the kindness of God through Jesus Christ that brought you to the place of repentance. God, I'm so sorry. God, I've missed your mark. I've sinned against you. See, David went into the temple and he ripped off his robe. He, he threw sackcloth and ash over himself, a sign of humility, a sign of repentance. And he said this, he said, God, you've been so good to me. It's the kindness of God. And sometimes, here's the problem, as we're digging in this good life, as we're digging in the fruit of the Spirit, as we look and we say, yeah, I wanna love more and I wanna have more peace and I wanna be patient and all these things are like, it can become a checklist or it can become a heart list. God, change me. It is your kindness that brings me to repentance. It's sad to say, but so often in the church, we've become so entitled. We've become so comfortable with Jesus. 
And we forget the kindness that God so loved the world, that God so loved Charlton, that God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, that Jesus had to die on a cross and pay because you and I could never be righteous enough. We could never be good enough. We could never earn heaven. We don't deserve heaven. We have sinned. We were like David. We have committed adultery with the things of this world. We've turned our back on God. Yet in his kindness, he gave us Jesus who removes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And like David, we should say, God, I'm so grateful for your unfailing kindness. I'm so thankful that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness because I know in reality that mine doesn't even compare to your faithfulness, God. See, if we want to understand the fruit of kindness, we have to understand that he showed kindness before we even started. That he showed us mercy and that he looked upon us. See, that's why John says, you did not choose him. He chose you. One of our key verses in this series has been John chapter 15, verse five. Where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For without me, you can't do nothing. So you know what Jesus is saying? Every day, you and I, we need him. Every day, we need to stop and say, Lord, I want to receive your kindness, your mercy, your grace, your favor, your presence, your spirit, your word. God, every day, I need to abide in this because when I abide in this, if I abide in you, I will bear much fruit. Kindness as I abide in you, as I understand how much kindness you showed me, I can now begin to show kindness to others. It's not based on their performance. It's not based on how they treat me. It's not based on whether I tolerate them or not. It's all based on what? God, you love them. And because you love them, God, and you love me, I will love them. And I'll show kindness. Imagine how the world would be so different if Christians, Christ followers, began to realize that it was his kindness that brought us to repentance. You know what the word repentance means? It means the word metanoia. The word metanoia literally means an about face, a, a, a turning away, a, a, a 180. Metanoia is, is, is a change in one's way of life resulting from penitence or spiritual conversion. It's a complete heart change. It's the kindness of God that leads to a complete heart change. I love that. Pastor, I want to be more kind. You know where it starts? It starts by re realizing what you've received. The kindness of God. The goodness of God. So here's the challenge I'm going to give today. I'm going to challenge you. I was talking to a good friend, Pastor Robin Wood, yesterday. We had lunch and 
he's in town really quickly and we were talking about kindness and he said, you know, Charlton, one of the things I challenge myself every day, three acts of random kindness. He says, I make a list every day. Three acts of random kindness. And I said, that's so good, I'm gonna steal it. Copyright is the right to copy. <laughs> I wanna challenge you today. What would it look like in your world if you did every day three random acts of kindness. You know what will happen? Let me tell you, the more that you're beginning to release kindness, the more kindness will fill your life. The more you'll be in touch with the heart of Jesus. I love uh, this uh, sticker I saw. Kindness is my superpower. I love that. I pray that that becomes a little bit of a, a mantra in a sense. I want kindness to be my superpower. Here's some tips. Well, pastor, how do I do that? Okay, here's a good one. Number one, you can start right now with this one. Number one, smile more. Smile more. It takes more muscles to frown than to smile. Did you know that? It's true. Scientific, go Google it if you don't believe me. <laughs> smile more. Turn to your spouse and smile because it's been a long time. Turn to your kids, smile. Here's another one. Say thank you more. Just say thank you more. Next time you're at Safeway, Fry's, Trader Joe's, Sprouts, no judgment there. <laughs> Smile more. Say, thank you for bagging my groceries. Because you don't know what other people are going through. And the fact that you just noticed them and said, I notice you. Thank you for serving me. I know you get paid to do this. I know this is your job. But I want to just say thank you. And I want to show you kindness. You, know, you never know the difference it'll make in someone's life. What about this one? Compliment others. Just compliment. Well, they need to start, pastor. No, as you sow, you reap. Give compliments. You know what, we're very quick to criticize. How about being quicker to compliment? Let's, Pastor Scott said, less speak in death, more speak in life. Let's compliment more. Because when we compliment more, maybe we don't just see the negative, maybe we'll begin to focus more on the positive and the good things that are in our lives. Listen to this, uh, this is good. Listen with your full attention. That's a good one. I'm not looking at my wife right now, just notice. Just kidding. Listen with your full attention. Switch the game off if you have to. A pastor, that's unbiblical. The team needs me to watch. But maybe there's something so important your kid wants to say to you. And if you're distracted, you're gonna miss the moment. Just show some kindness. Because kindness reflects the heart of God. How about this one? Volunteer your time. Forgive others. Think before you speak. Wow. Think, is this gonna come out right? Am I speaking life? Am I being kind? Kindness. I want it to be my superpower. <laughs> what about this one as we go into this season? 
You walked in today and you got a trunk or treat card. If you flip it over to the back, register for the event, be a trunker, be a volunteer. You know, we want to be kind. There's a way for you to be kind. Last year we had about 3,500 kids show up or, some, or a total of 3,500 people show up for trunk or treat from the community. They were looking for a safe place to take their kids. There's no safer place than a church. But we had so many volunteers. This is a big event. And I want to challenge you, you know, be kind. We need volunteers. We need some of you to, we need, some, we need 50 trunkers. And then you know what? Be kind. Bring some candy. We need candy. Because I know that a kid that shows up trunk and treat and there's no candy, it's a big problem. But you can show kindness by just buying a $12 packet of candy. Because generosity is a way of being kind. Volunteering your time. This card you've been given, I want to challenge you to go give it to your neighbor who doesn't come to Mountain Park. Hey, your kid's football game, or your grandkids, hey, why don't you come to this event? Just be kind. Just give them a card. Let them register to show up. And I love that you might look, some of you are looking again, what are those funny squares back there? Those are called QR codes. And you know what's great about a QR code? If you just point your phone at it, you put the camera on, it'll take you straight to the registration and you can do it in 20 seconds. That's how easy it is. Be kind. Serve. Love. I close with the words of Paul in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. Listen to this. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Paul says, I'm remembering, I'm reflecting, I'm thinking on the words of the Lord Jesus himself. And Jesus himself said this, it's more blessed to give than to receive. See, because when we realize how much we've received, the kindness of God that brought us to repentance and salvation, that through his kindness, we can become children of the living God. That when our last breath is breathed on planet earth, our first breath will be in heaven. Why? Because of the kindness of God. He chose us. He loved us. He gave his son for us. And now he says, as you've received, give. Show the love of Jesus. Show the kindness of Jesus. I believe as we do that, we'll change our Tuki, Tempe, Chandler, wherever you live. People will say, you know what's great about that Mountain Park Church? Those are some kind people. They don't just talk. They don't just preach. They actually do. They're kind. Remember the words of Jesus. They will know you are my disciples by the way you love. May we go out this week. I challenge you, three acts of random kindness starting today. It's as simple as this. In the parking lot, play nice. <laughs> Amen. Hey, why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray over you. Bring some candy to church next Sunday. Volunteer.
I'm hoping we have 50 trunkers. I need you. We need you. Pastor Greg needs you. Let's love our community. As you head out as well, another way to show kindness, grab an Operation Christmas Child box. There's a kid on the other side of the world. He's not going to get a Christmas gift. But through you being kind, you're going to make them put a smile on their face this Christmas. So I encourage you, if you've never done this before, it's absolutely amazing. And I love it when we get to, my family and I get to do this. It's so exciting. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today. Thank you that you love us. You didn't ask us to be perfect. You just asked us to come the way we are. And if we invite you into our life, Jesus, we confess you as Lord and Savior. Your word says that we're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're the children of the living God. God, as we step out today, as we go our separate ways, remind us, remind us of your kindness, your goodness towards us. May we never take it for granted. But as we receive it, may we give it to others. Help us to forgive. Help us to let go. Help us to encourage. Show us that person even right now. We just need to show kindness to. God, I pray your blessing upon each person here, each family, each single, each child. May we go out as light into this world. It's in your name we pray. Amen.